Hi, this is Hale Shepard, an international tax and tax dispute attorney with a passion for writing. You're listening to Prose by Tax Prose, another article by Hale Shepard. I published a series of articles offering insight about complicated tax issues while still making them interesting and understandable. Please continue listening for one of my articles, previously published in a major journal and read by a professional. It's important to note that I am a tax attorney, but I'm not your tax attorney. The information in the article does not constitute advice or guidance of any type to anyone. It's being provided for general informational purposes only. Conservation easement disputes and the Section 7525 tax practitioner privilege Written by Hale E. Shepard. Published in Practical Tax Strategies, August 2020. Introduction. The IRS, consistent with repeated public announcements, continues to implement aggressive actions in its challenges of partnerships making conservation easement donations. Grounded in its unproven theory that many unrelated parties involved with the typical easement donation, for example, organizers, landowners, accountants, appraisers, land trusts, etc., somehow collaborated to do something improper, the IRS has become more insistent about seeking copies of pre-donation communications between parties, particularly accountants whose roles vary considerably. For example, accountants might provide tax and or information return preparation services, bookkeeping, compliance assistance, tax advice, entity formation, financial and tax calculations, due diligence of various sorts, or something else entirely. Section 7525 establishes a safeguard for accountants and others, called the Federally Authorized Tax Practitioner, FATP Privilege. It states that when it comes to tax advice, the confidentiality protections that have long applied to communications between taxpayers and attorneys generally extend to communications between taxpayers and FATPs. There are limitations, of course, including that the FATP privilege yields no help when communications deal with tax shelters. This article provides an overview of the easement donation process and related tax rules, explains the evolving attacks by the IRS, describes the scope and limitations of the FATP privilege, summarizes the most recent federal case addressing the tax shelter exception, and identifies the theories recently raised by the IRS in its effort to gather all potentially pertinent data, including communications with accountants before the partnership files its Form 1065, U.S. Return of Partnership Income, claiming the easement deduction. Overview of Conservation Easement Donations and Tax Deductions Taxpayers who own undeveloped real property have several choices. For instance, they might 1. Hold the property for investment purposes, selling it when it appreciates sufficiently. 2. Determine how to maximize profitability from the property and do that, regardless of the negative effects on the local environment, community, and economy. Or 3. Donate an easement on the property to a charitable organization, such that it is protected forever for the benefit of society. The third option, known as donating a conservation easement, 
not only achieves the goal of environmental protection, but also triggers another benefit, tax deductions for donors. Taxpayers generally must donate their entire legal interest in a particular piece of property, not just part of their interest, in order to qualify for a tax deduction. This is a critical concept, as taxpayers who own all attributes of a piece of real property, in other words, they own it in fee simple, do not donate the property outright to a charitable organization in the easement context. Instead, they retain ownership of the property, but convey an easement on such property to an independent nonprofit organization with the ability, capacity, willingness, and resources to safeguard the property forever. This is usually a land trust, provided that the easement, which is just a partial interest in property, constitutes a qualified conservation contribution, taxpayers are entitled to the tax deduction. As one would expect, taxpayers cannot donate an easement on any old property and claim a tax deduction. They must demonstrate that the property is worth protecting. A donation has an acceptable conservation purpose if it meets at least one of the following requirements. One, it preserves land for outdoor recreation by or the education of the general public. Two, it preserves a relatively natural habitat of fish, wildlife, or plants, or a similar ecosystem. Three, it preserves open space, including farmland and forest land, for the scenic enjoyment of the general public and will yield a significant public benefit. Four, it preserves open space, including farmland and forest land, pursuant to a federal, state, or local governmental conservation policy and will yield a significant public benefit. Or five, it preserves a historically important land area or a certified historic structure. Taxpayers memorialize the donation to charity by filing a Public Deed of Conservation Easement, or deed. In preparing the deed, taxpayers often coordinate with the land trust to identify certain limited activities that can continue on the property after the donation without interfering with the deed, without prejudicing the conservation purposes, and without jeopardizing the tax deduction. These activities are called reserved rights. The IRS openly recognizes in its Conservation Easement Audit Techniques Guide, or ATG, and elsewhere, that reserved rights are ubiquitous in deeds. The IRS will not allow the tax deduction stemming from a conservation easement unless the taxpayer provides the land trust before making the donation with documentation sufficient to establish the condition of the property at the time of the gift. This is called the baseline report. It may feature several things, including but not limited to 1. The survey maps from the U.S. Geological Survey showing the property line and other contiguous or nearby protected areas. 2. A map of the area drawn to scale showing all existing man-made improvements or incursions, vegetation, flora, and fauna. For example, locations of rare species, animal breeding and roosting areas, and migration routes. Land use history and distinct natural features. Three, an aerial photograph of the property at an appropriate scale, taken as close as possible to the date of the donation. And four, on-site photographs taken at various locations on the property. The value of the conservation easement is the fair market value, or FMV, of the property at the time of the donation. 
The term FMV ordinarily means the price on which a willing buyer and willing seller would agree with neither party being obligated to participate in the transaction and with both parties having reasonable knowledge of the relevant facts. The IRS explains in its ATG that the best evidence of the FMV of an easement would be the sale price of other easements that are comparable in size, location, usage, etc. The ATG recognizes, though, that it is difficult, if not impossible, to find comparable sales. Consequently, appraisers often must use the before and after method instead. This means that an appraiser must determine the highest and best use, or HBU, of the property and the corresponding FMV twice. First, the appraiser calculates the FMV if the property were put to its HBU, which generates the before value. Second, the appraiser identifies the FMV taking into account the restrictions on the property imposed by the easement, which creates the after value. The difference between the before value and after value with certain other adjustments produces the value of the easement donation. As indicated above, in calculating the FMV of property, appraisers and courts must take into account not only the current use of the property, but also its HBU. A property's HBU is the most profitable use for which it is adaptable and needed in the reasonably near future. The term HBU has also been defined as the use of property that is physically possible, legally permissible, financially feasible, and maximally productive. Importantly, valuation in the easement context does not depend on whether the owner has actually put the property to its HBU in the past. The HBU can be any realistic potential use of the property. Common HBUs are construction of a residential community, creation of a mixed-use development, or mining. Properly claiming the tax deductions stemming from an easement donation is surprisingly complicated. It involves a significant amount of actions and documents. The main ones are as follows. The taxpayer must, one, obtain a qualified appraisal from a qualified appraiser, two, demonstrate that the land trust is a qualified organization, Three, obtain a baseline report adequately describing the condition of the property at the time of the donation and the reasons why it's worthy of protection. Four, complete a Form 8283, non-cash charitable contributions, and have it executed by all relevant parties, including the taxpayer, appraiser, and land trust. Five, assuming that the taxpayer is a partnership, file a timely Form 1065, U.S. Return of Partnership Income, enclosing Form 8283 and the Qualified Appraisal. 6. Receive from the Land Trust a contemporaneous written acknowledgement, both for the easement itself and for any endowment or stewardship fee donated to finance perpetual protection of the property. And 7. Send all the partners their schedules K-1, partner share of income, deductions, credits, etc., and a copy of Form 8283. Past and Current Attacks by the IRS The U.S. government has been attacking partnerships that make easement donations in a variety of ways. For instance, it, one, identified them as listed transactions in Notice 2017-10, two, mandated the filing of Forms 8886, 
Reportable Transaction Disclosure Statement, and Forms 8918, Material Advisor Disclosure Statement by various parties, three, launched a compliance campaign consisting of dozens of specialized revenue agents and other IRS personnel, four, filed a complaint in district court seeking a permanent injunction against certain organizers and appraisers, five, featured easement transactions on the IRS's Dirty Dozen list, six, started an inquiry by the Senate Finance Committee on Potential Abuses, and seven, initiated a widespread practice of issuing audit reports claiming that tax deductions should be zero dollars and imposing severe penalties regardless of the amount of pre-donation due diligence conducted by taxpayers, the magnitude of the conservation values of the properties, the attainment of multiple independent appraisers, etc. The IRS, through the commissioner, chief counsel, and other high-ranking officials, began intensifying the rhetoric and warnings in late 2019. This messaging has manifested itself in the form of IRS new releases, public statements at tax conferences, and articles. The IRS has emphasized that it is, one, pursuing promoters, appraisers, return preparers, material advisors, accommodating entities, charitable organizations, and others. Two, making referrals to the Office of Professional Responsibility, or OPR. Three, raising a long list of technical, procedural, legal, and tax arguments and disputes while constantly trying to develop more. Four, asserting all possible civil penalties. Five, conducting simultaneous civil examinations and criminal investigations. Six, contracting with a significant number of appraisers from the private sector to handle the workload, and seven, litigating a large number of cases in tax court. Supplementing the blatant actions described above, the IRS introduced in 2020 some more subtle ways of attacking conservation easements. For instance, the IRS announced in February 2020 that it had put in place a temporary promoter investigations coordinator who would be in charge of collaborating with the Civil Division, Criminal Investigation Division, Chief Counsel, and Office of Professional Responsibility to develop and implement promoter enforcement on both an individual and strategic level. On a related note, in March 2020, the IRS indicated that it had formed the new Fraud Enforcement Office, whose leader would be working closely with the Promoter Investigations Coordinator. In addition, the IRS introduced a new Form 8886, Reportable Transaction Disclosure Statement, in early 2020, which forces those who participate in a conservation easement transaction to provide the IRS data about the total investment or basis in the relevant partnership and the total anticipated dollar amount of all tax benefits over the entire anticipated life of the transaction. Concerns abound that the IRS will try to characterize a minor omission or mistake on new Form 8886 as a justification to impose huge penalties and keep assessment periods open. Finally, in January 2020, the IRS issued a memorandum called Interim Guide on IRC 6695A Penalty Case Reviews, or Interim Guidance. It seemed like another tedious procedural modification at first glance, but the interim guidance deprives appraisers, including those valuing conservation easements, of crucial safeguards, 
The prior procedures required analysis and agreement by at least five experienced IRS employees. In other words, the revenue agent, examining appraiser, primary review appraiser, secondary review appraiser, and review manager, before the Section 6695A penalties could be assessed. Now, under the interim guidance, the revenue agent, who might have little to no training in the field of valuation, makes this decision alone or with input from just one examining appraiser. A new battleground, Section 7525 and the FATP privilege. As conservation easement battles continue, the IRS has become more aggressive in its efforts to gather all potentially relevant data, despite the fact some might be confidential. This scenario often arises when partnerships that engage in conservation easements decline to provide copies of certain pre-donation communications with advisors on grounds that they are protected by Section 7525. Overview of FATP Privilege Section 7525 generally provides that with respect to tax advice, the protections that apply to communications between taxpayers and their attorneys shall extend to communications between taxpayers and FATPs. This broad general rule faces several limitations, only a few of which are evident from reading Section 7525 itself. The provision clarifies that the expanded protections only apply to 1. Tax advice, not return preparation and other services. 2. Provided by a person who qualifies as an FATP, such as a certified public accountant, enrolled agent, registered tax return preparer, and others. 3. Involving non-criminal matters. 4. In connection with an administrative or judicial tax matter where the IRS or Department of Justice is a party, and five, not regarding tax shelters. Clarifications on Scope of FATP Privilege Congress enacted Section 7525 more than two decades ago in 1998, but the IRS never issued corresponding regulations. Therefore, one must turn to other sources, such as legislative history, to get more details about the magnitude of the FATP privilege. Civil Federal Tax Matters Only Section 7525 explains that the FATP privilege can only be asserted in any non-criminal matter before the IRS and any non-criminal tax proceeding in federal court brought by or against the United States. Stated another way, the FATP privilege does not apply to state tax disputes, civil disputes between private parties, and matters with non-tax government agencies. Affected groups raised this issue when the FATP privilege was being debated in Congress. Guidance is needed with respect to the impact of the confidentiality provision on state tax proceedings or cases involving private litigants, the written communications between a CPA or enrolled agent and a taxpayer might be subject to discovery in such proceedings without any privilege protections. Under these circumstances, once the accountant's papers have been made available in a state proceeding or to a private litigant, the IRS, arguably, would have a right of access to those otherwise confidential papers. The relevant congressional report, quoted below, 
shows that the Congress did not incorporate into Section 7525 the concerns emphasized by the affected groups. The FATP privilege may not be asserted to prevent the disclosure of information to any regulatory body other than the IRS. The ability of any other regulatory body, including the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, to gain or compel information is unchanged by this provision. No privilege may be asserted under this provision by a taxpayer in dealings with such other regulatory bodies in any administrative or court proceeding. This issue has been tested in at least one case, where the court ruled that the FATP privilege did not shield a taxpayer in a proceeding to challenge an administrative summons issued by the Department of Labor, despite the fact that the Department of Labor could later share the information that it obtained from the taxpayer with the IRS. FATP privilege can be waived. The FATP privilege, like others, is not absolute. It can be waived unintentionally when parties are not cautious. The legislative history states the privilege is inapplicable where a communication is made to one party, like an FATP, such that he can convey it to another party. It also explains that the privilege can be relinquished when an FATP reveals an otherwise protected communication from a taxpayer to third parties, for instance, by copying them on an email. FATP privilege does not expand existing protections. The legislative history clarifies that the FATP privilege does not enlarge any existing privileges, its sole effect is to expand their use to non-attorneys. Notably, it confirms that data provided in connection with preparing a return does not become privileged merely by supplying it to an attorney or FATP. The privilege does not apply to any communication between an FATP and such individual's client or prospective client if the communication would not have been privileged between an attorney and the attorney's client or prospective client. For example, information disclosed to an attorney for the purpose of preparing a tax return is not privileged under present law. Such information would not be privileged under Section 7525 whether it was disclosed to an attorney, certified public accountant, enrolled agent, or enrolled actuary. Raising FATP privilege defense might backfire. The legislative history subtly warns that relying on the FATP privilege could potentially backfire, particularly if the tax advice provided was akin to legal advice, which only licensed attorneys can provide. The congressional report instructs FATPs to tread lightly emphasizing that no inference is intended as to whether aspects of federal tax law practice covered by the new FATP privilege constitute the authorized or unauthorized practice of law under various state laws. Tax Shelter Exception The most important limitation on the FATP privilege, for purposes of this article, is the tax shelter exception. The FATP privilege does not apply to 1. any written communication, 2. between an FATP and certain individuals or entities, for example, any person, any director, officer, employee, agent, or representative of such person, or any other person holding a capital or profits interest in such person, 
Three, in connection with the promotion of the participation of the person, either directly or indirectly. Four, in any tax shelter. When first passed in 1998, the tax shelter exception was aimed solely at corporate tax shelters. Soon thereafter, though, Congress broadened the coverage, clarifying that the exception affected all tax shelters, regardless of the type of taxpayer participating. Congress, in introducing the amended law in 2004, explained that it applied to all tax shelters, whether entered into by corporations, individuals, partnerships, tax-exempt entities, or any other entity. The IRS, or Department of Justice, as appropriate, must supply the court with enough evidence to satisfy each element of the tax shelter exception. However, it is unnecessary for the government to demonstrate that a crime or fraud occurred. For purposes of this exception to the FATP privilege, the term tax shelter is broadly defined to encompass 1. Any partnership, corporation, trust, or other entity, investment plan or arrangement, or other plan or arrangement. 2. A significant purpose of which is avoiding or evading federal income tax. Importantly, this standard has become more comprehensive over time, with Congress changing just two critical words. The key phrase changed from the principal purpose to a significant purpose, as described further below. The relevant provision originally stated that no tax shelter existed unless the principal purpose of the entity, plan, or arrangement was to avoid or evade federal income tax. The corresponding regulations explain this key phrase in the following manner. The principal purpose of an entity, plan, or arrangement is to avoid or evade federal income tax if that purpose exceeds any other purpose. Typical of tax shelters are transactions structured with little or no motive for the realization of economic gain and transactions that utilize the mismatching of income and deductions, overvalued assets, or assets with values subject to substantial uncertainty, certain non-recourse financing, financing techniques that do not conform to standard commercial business practices, or the mischaracterization of the substance of the transaction. The existence of economic substance does not of itself establish that a transaction is not a tax shelter if the transaction includes other characteristics that indicate it is a tax shelter. The principal purpose of an entity, plan, or arrangement is not to avoid or evade federal income tax if the entity, plan, or arrangement has as its purpose the claiming of exclusions from income, accelerated deductions, or other tax benefits in a manner consistent with the statute and congressional purpose. For example, an entity, plan, or arrangement does not have as its principal purpose the avoidance or evasion of federal income tax solely as a result of the following uses of tax benefits provided by the Internal Revenue Code. The purchasing or holding of an obligation-bearing interest that is excluded from gross income under Section 103, taking an accelerated depreciation allowance under Section 168, taking the percentage depletion allowance under Section 613 or Section 613A, deducting intangible drilling and development costs as expenses under Section 263C, establishing a qualified retirement plan under Sections 401 through 409, 
claiming the possession tax credit under Section 936, or claiming tax benefits available by reason of an election under Section 992 to be taxed as a Domestic International Sales Corporation, or DISC, under Section 927F1 to be taxed as a Foreign Sales Corporation, FSC, or under Section 1362 to be taxed as an S-Corporation. The standard changed in 1997 to the detriment of taxpayers, when the phrase was loosened to capture situations with merely a significant purpose of dodging federal income taxes. The IRS has not defined the phrase a significant purpose in the context of Section 6662, where the term tax shelter is found when dealing with the FATP privilege. However, the IRS has supplied guidance on this elsewhere, two decades ago, in issuing regulations concerning mandatory registration of confidential corporate tax shelters. Under the law in place at that time, a confidential corporate tax shelter was any entity, plan, arrangement, or transaction that satisfied three criteria, one of which was that a significant purpose of the structure was the avoidance or evasion of federal income tax. The regulations featured the following data about a significant purpose. First, the avoidance or evasion of federal income tax is considered a significant purpose of the structure of a transaction if the transaction is the same as or substantially similar to one of the specified types of transactions that the IRS has determined to be a tax avoidance transaction and identified by notice, regulation, or other form of published guidance as a listed transaction for purposes of Section 6111. Second, the avoidance or evasion of federal income tax is generally considered a significant purpose of the structure of a transaction if the present value of the participant's reasonably expected pre-tax profit from the transaction is insignificant relative to the present value of the participant's expected net federal income tax savings from the transaction. Third, the avoidance or evasion of federal income tax is generally considered to be a significant purpose of the structure of a transaction if the transaction has been structured to produce federal income tax benefits that constitute an important part of the intended results of the transaction and the tax shelter promoter or other person who will be responsible for registration under this section reasonably expects the transaction to be presented in the same or substantially similar form to more than one potential participant. However, a transaction does not come within this third category if the promoter reasonably determines that the potential participant is expected to participate in the transaction in the ordinary course of its business in a form consistent with customary commercial practice, and the promoter reasonably determines that there is a long-standing and generally accepted understanding that the expected federal income tax benefits from the transaction, taking into account any combination of intended tax consequences, are allowable under the Code for substantially similar transactions. Recent case involving tax shelter exception. The tax shelter exception has been the subject of some litigation in the past, with much of its focusing on whether the FATP was involved with the promotion of a tax shelter and or whether the FATP was providing tax advice. The most recent case, from January 2020, is Microsoft Corporation. The district court provided the following background. Microsoft, 
Aware that certain U.S. tax incentives related to manufacturing in Puerto Rico through a foreign subsidiary were expiring, began exploring other opportunities. One of the larger accounting and advisory firms, KPMG, assisted with this process. Specifically, Microsoft hired KPMG to provide tax consulting services for a feasibility phase, which entailed modeling of anticipated tax benefits over a 10-year period. KPMG presented Microsoft with various tax deferral and reorganization strategies, central to which were cost-sharing arrangements between related entities. The IRS audited Microsoft for 2004, 2005, and 2006. One of the main issues was the cost-sharing arrangements related to the transfer of intellectual property between foreign and domestic subsidiaries of Microsoft. The IRS believed that the cost-sharing arrangements were improper and had the effect of shifting otherwise taxable income out of the United States. Microsoft refused to provide the IRS with certain documents during the audit, claiming that they were confidential on several grounds, among them the FATP privilege. Therefore, the IRS issued a summons to Microsoft and later filed an action with the district court, seeking its assistance in making Microsoft comply. The district court examined the applicability of several potential protections, including FATP privilege, which it described as the crux of the case. The focus of the district court was the tax shelter exception, particularly whether KPMG was involved in the promotion of a tax shelter and whether a significant purpose of the cost-sharing arrangement was tax avoidance or evasion. With respect to the first issue, the district court determined that a significant purpose, if not the sole purpose of Microsoft's transaction, was to avoid or evade federal income tax, in that it was shifting otherwise taxable revenue outside the United States. The district court noted that Microsoft was unable to show any business purpose for the particular cost-sharing arrangement and that tax savings drove the decision-making process. In terms of the second issue, the district court concluded that KPMG promoted the transaction and with the exception of some self-interested testimony, one, there was no indication that the plans for the transactions originated with Microsoft, two, KPMG drove the structuring of the transactions, and three, were it not for promotion by KPMG, Microsoft would not have participated in the transactions. The district court also pointed out that even after Microsoft first engaged in the transactions, KPMG continued to make adjustments to maximize revenue shifting and minimize operational costs. The district court ruled that KPMG provided services only to promote Microsoft's avoidance of tax liability, and therefore all of KPMG's written communications were made in connection with promotion of a tax shelter. The district court, likely anticipating recriminations, explained that its decision serves the public interest because while Congress enacted the FATP privilege to safeguard certain communications, such privilege is not absolute. And when an FATP's advice strays from compliance and consequences to promotion of tax shelters, the privilege falls away. Conclusion in issuing information document requests and summonses demanding copies of written communications between taxpayers and accountants related to easement donations, 
The IRS often encounters resistance in the form of the FATP privilege when it is dealing with a knowledgeable tax defense professional. Recently, the IRS has attempted to overcome the FATP privilege by arguing, among other things, that one, the accountants were not providing tax advice in the first place, two, even if they were offering tax advice, the privilege was later waived by the partnership and or the accountants when the relevant information was forwarded to third parties, three, the transactions rise to the level of civil fraud or a crime, four, Syndicated conservation easement transactions are listed transactions and thus tax shelters pursuant to Notice 2017-10. 5. A significant purpose of easement transactions is federal income tax avoidance. And 6. The accountants were involved in the promotion of easement transactions as this term is broadly defined in Microsoft Corporation and elsewhere. Numerous counterarguments to the IRS's positions exist, and there are several safeguards that accountants and partnerships can implement to strengthen the applicability of the FATP privilege from the outset. A detailed discussion of these issues exceeds the scope of this article. Suffice it here for taxpayers and their advisors to be aware of the newest information-gathering strategies utilized by the IRS in the conservation easement arena, especially reliance on the tax shelter exception to the FATP privilege such that they can be better situated to defend the partnerships, charitable donations, and related tax deductions. Thank you for listening to Conservation Easement Disputes and the Section 7525 Tax Practitioner Privilege Written by Hale E. Shepard Narrated by Susan McGurl Published in Practical Tax Strategies, August 2020 edition. I hope you enjoyed the article. Feedback from listeners helps to improve my writing, so I welcome your comments and questions. You can contact me by email at hale.shepherd at chamberlainlaw.com. That's H-A-L-E dot S-H-E-P-P-A-R-D at chamberlainlaw.com or through my website at www.prosebytaxpros.com. That's P-R-O-S-E-B-Y-T-A-X-P-R-O-S dot com.